Good morning, God's wonderful people. Welcome again to another episode of Logos Zontanos, the podcast that's dedicated to expressing the life in God's Word. The Word of God is living, it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is able to divide asunder your thoughts and your intents. Do remember that today is another opportunity to give God thanks, another opportunity to tell Him thanks for the wonderful things He has done in your life. No matter how small, no matter how great, always give God thanks because the changing and transforming of your life begin with thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for having given you life. Let's get our hearts in that place, my friends, as we get into looking at the life in God's Word, as we look at the expression in the Word of God, how the Word of God expresses His truth. Today, as we begin our study, I hope that you have your notebooks and everything else ready to take some notes and to learn some truth from the Word of God. We are studying in Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26 to verse 31. And we are looking at the declarations God made. We have considered declaration number 1. We are now considering declaration number 2. And in this, we are looking at the first part of this second declaration that God made concerning man. So we are analyzing the very first um, word used here in this declaration. And it's the word that is translated, be fruitful. It's the word pera or pera. Now, we are analyzing each letter of this word to understand clearly what this word is all about and what it teaches. And so, so far we have looked at the letter pe. And we have considered that letter and analyzed it. Now we're turning our attention to look at the letter resh, which is the second letter of this word pera. Now the resh is the next letter that we should be considering. However, we have already analyzed the resh in a previous episode, and that would be episode 34 to episode 36 in this series that we are now doing. This is our third series, and so we have already analyzed the resh, and so we will not be going to analyze it again. Here we have to understand that as it relates to pera. The resh here brings the same ideas and the same concept to this word. And so when we bring this together, we'll look at that. So we turn to the next letter, which is the letter Aleph. We have also already analyzed the Aleph in our previous series, which is series two. However, um, a refresher won't hurt. Moreover, there is a bit of um, more detail that can be added to our knowledge of the Aleph. And so we turn our attention now to analyze the Aleph which is basically another look at the Aleph. So for those who have been following this podcast, you would have already heard our analysis of the Aleph already. This is a second take, which means that you are hearing the second, the second time and you're going to be hearing additional information. If you're hearing this for the first time, then you are also going to be learning about the Aleph and you won't be missing out on anything that we shared in our previous episode or our previous ana- analysis of the Aleph. All right, so the Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew Aleph Beit. And we are going to now look at the letter and analyze it just as we analyze all other letters. We'll be looking at the pictogram. We'll be looking at the form and the shape. We'll be looking at its initiation. We'll be looking at its gematria. And then we'll look at some lessons that we learn from this letter. So first, let's take the pictogram. 
The pictogram for the Aleph is an ox head. An ox head. Now, the ox is uh, uh, similar to the animal we call the cow. All right, so that's an ox. So the Aleph, the pictogram for it is the ox head. Now, if you turn our English letter A upside down, it would look like what the original Aleph looks like. So if you turn the letter A, the capital A, upside down, you'll see the two horns and you'll see the pointed, almost triangle-looking mouth or snout. All right? So the, the, the ox head is what the letter Aleph represents. It has maintained its shape somewhat in, in, in a lot of other languages. For example, the English language, our letter A, is really the symbolism that is derived from the same Aleph of the Hebrew Aleph Bates. All right. So the ox was an animal that was held in high esteem in the economy of ancient rural Israel. It, it would be also the same in many other um, uh, nations at that time. So the ox was regarded as an animal in high esteem uh, because it was very integral to their livelihood and their economy. Right. Because the ox is used to till the soil. It's used to carry every weed. So farming was like the basis of their economy and the ox was essential to that farming farming operation it's like a, a like a farmer who has a tractor all right so it, that's essential to the to, up, to his farm operation because that gets work done in a much more um much more work done in a shorter space of time all right so the ox was very vital to the farming operations of the ancient of ancient rural israel the ox was also a beast of burden, so it was used to carry loads, right, and, and also carry, you know, produce. So it was a beast of burden. Uh, the ox was also eaten and was used in sacrifices. So again, the ox was an animal that was used to provide food, so it, was, it sustains them. It provides food for them as well. It was used to provide food. And so it, 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 was, it was a support or a source of sustenance for the people at the time. And it's also used in sacrifices. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's an animal that's used in sacrifice to atone for their sins and, and to bring about their redemption from their sins. So it was integral in their religious life as well. So it, it factors in all spheres of their life. And the ox was a symbol of strength. It is a symbol of strength. And this is how the letter Aleph is regarded as meaning strength because the ox was a symbol of strength, the strong one. All right. Let's look at the form of this letter. The letter Aleph is formed from a Vav and two Yuds. Now, a Hebrew letter will be formed from either two or more um, Hebrew letters. And in this case, the Aleph is formed from a Vav and two Yuds. The Vav is a tent or tenth peg or a hook. Right. The Vav is the Yud which stretches down to touch the baseline. That we have explained in our, in, in our analysis of the valve. So it represents God reaching down to connect with man. The valve me, uh, uh, means to connect. It is the connection between man and God. So just as though a hook is used to connect the, the, the material of the tent and connects it to the earth and hold it down to the earth, that's a tent peg. Just as though that is used to connect the tent to the earth, it is, it, is, it is the same, same way this Vav means to connect, and, and it connects God to man. So the, the, the Vav means to connect. Now the Yud, on the other hand, is a hand, and it means power. What is highest and most important, what is chief, 
That's what the Yud means. Now, the form of this letter Aleph is a Vav laid down diagonally from left to right with a Yud on top and a Yud under it. So the Yud on top is at the lower end of the diagonal Vav. So at the lower end, that's on the right, right, right and lower end, there's a Vav at the top. And at the upper end, which is the left end, there is a Vav that is under. There's a Yud that is under the Vav there. So there's a Yud under the Vav in this upper end of the diagonal Vav. And there's a Yud on top at the lower end of this diagonal Vav. So the Aleph is God reaching down to man, manifesting his power and lifting man up to experience his power. And that is what this would have depicted in its form and in its shape. It would have been declaring that message that God reaches down to man and lifts him up to experience his power. So God reached down to man, manifesting his power, and then lifting man up to experience his power. This we see in um, an experience that Jacob had in Genesis 28 and verse 12, where it says that, And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. So the Vav is a picture of this vision or dream that Jacob had, where there's a ladder that stretches up down from heaven, comes from heaven down to man. So at the top where you have that Yod underneath is the power of God coming down, extending down to man. And then the ladder touches the earth. And where you have that Yud on top, it is now man being lifted up to access or experience the power of God. So therefore, my friends, in this we see that you know this dream of Jacob depicts and, and brings to mind what the Aleph means. So let's now look at the initiation of this letter, which means the first place this letter is used to begin a root word in the Bible, in the Torah. Now, the first place a letter is used to begin a root word in the Torah, that word will teach us about that letter. So whatever that word is, that word will teach us what this letter means. Right. So the first place in the Torah where the Aleph is used to begin a root word is in Genesis 1 verse 1, where it declares, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, in this, this verse here, the word that begins with an Aleph is the word God. So it says, Bereshit bara Elohim. Elohim begins with an Aleph. So the word Elohim that is translated God is this word that the Aleph is first used to begin. This, therefore, friends, tells us that Aleph is Elohim. And Aleph means Elohim. So Aleph is God and will always point to God. All the features of the Aleph will teach us about God. Everything there is to know about the Aleph will teach us something about God. Here, friends, Aleph is spelled with an, with an Aleph, a Lamed, and a P. The Aleph we know is God. The Lamed means to learn or to cause to learn, which is to teach. 
The pay is the mouth, that is to speak or to communicate. What does this teach us, my friends? It teaches us that God is a teaching, speaking spirit. So God is a speaking spirit. God is the one who caused learning through in speaking, through communicating with or talking with. God is a teaching, speaking spirit. That's one of the things it tells us about God. It is taught by the rabbis that the Aleph has three different meanings. Three different meanings. One is that the Aleph means aloof, which means a master or a chief. This lets the world know that there is a creator, that God is the master of the universe, and that there is an eye that sees all and an ear that hears all. Thus, God is the aloof, the master of the universe. So, this first meaning of Aleph is aloof, which teaches us that God is a master of the universe. The second meaning of Aleph is in the word Ulfana, which is a school of learning or a teacher. Not only do we introduce God as the creator of the universe, but also as the teacher of all mankind. Through the divine wisdom of his book, God establishes himself in the world on the level of, of the ultimate teacher. So God is the one who teaches. So he's the master of the universe, but he also teaches. The third meaning is reached by reading the letters of the word backwards. So Aleph, we read it backwards, we get the word Pela, which is pronounced really Pele. It means wondrous. Pele represents the secrets and deeper teachings of the Torah, which comprise its greatest level. These secret teachings in the Torah comprise the greatest level of Torah. So in other words, when you get to see these secret teachings in the Torah, it is then that you'll be lifted and elevated to a higher level of revelation. So here, my friends, in the three letters of the word Aleph, we are seeing that there are three meanings to this word Aleph. One, God is a master of the universe. Two, God is the greatest teacher, is the ultimate teacher. And three, he is a wonder. This is what the Aleph teaches us, my friend. This can also be connected to a fundamental concept in the Talmud, which tells us that God created the world to exist for 6,000 years. The first 2,000 years are called Tohu, or chaos. This is followed by 2,000 years of Torah. And the final 2,000 are the days of the Messiah, Mashiach. What does this mean? It is explained that the first 2,000 years began with the first man, Adam. This corresponds to the first meaning of the letter Aleph, which is Aluf, master of the universe. It states that Adam caused all the animals and beasts to bow down to God, thus acknowledging him as master and creator of the universe. However, that era was qualified as chaos because the Torah was not yet revealed. The second 2,000 years began with Abraham. Abraham introduced the Torah. As the Talmud states, Abraham both learned and fulfilled the entire Torah 
long before it was physically given to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. His embracing of God's word inaugurated the era of Torah. And thus the second meaning of the word Aleph, Ulfana, or teaching. The final 2000 year period is considered the days of Mashiach, the concept of Pele. This wondrous era has the potential to usher in peace and tranquility through the, throughout the entire world. There's a teaching that the difference between the words Gola, which means exile, and Gehula, which means redemption, is the presence of the Aleph. If one inserts an Aleph into the word Gola, which is spelled with a Gimel, a Vav, a Lamed, and a He, if you insert an Aleph into that word, which would make it dispelled with a Gimel, an Aleph, a Vav, a Lamed, and a A, if you insert that Aleph in the word, Gola, which means exile, the exile is now empowered and transformed into Gehula, which means redemption. Thus, the final 2,000 year of creation, the era of Mashiach, is represented by the Aleph. Having been given the Aleph, the Jewish people are empowered to move from exile to redemption. The stages, my friend, of God as master of the universe and as teacher blossom into the days of the Messiah. When God will be revealed on a wondrous level. All of this, my friend, is contained in the Aleph. All of this is in the Aleph. The Aleph teaches us these things. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, there are six Alephs in that one verse. And these six Alephs, the Talmud teaches that it alludes to the fact that there are 6,000 years that are given to man. It's referred to as the time of man. 6,000 years. We are living today in the final 2,000 year period of the days of the Messiah. Let's look at the gematria of the Aleph. The numerical value of the Aleph is 1. The number one spiritual significance is it symbolizes unity. As a cardinal number, it denotes unity. As an ordinal number, it denotes primacy. Unity, being indivisible and not made up of other numbers, is therefore independent of all others and is a source of all others. This, my friends, point to God because he is the one who is, 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 all things consist of. And is independent of all others. So this of the this, this aspect of the number one, it points to the deity. The great first cause is independent of all, and stand in need, and all stand in need of him, and he needs no assistance from any. This is the God we serve. One excludes all differences, for there is no second with it. It can neither have another with, with which to harmonize our conflict. There is no second with which it can either harmonize our conflict. The factors of one is one. And every number is a multiple of one. One is therefore an absolute number and the source of all numbers. Once more reiterating that God is absolute and is the source of all things. All things consist by exist by him and all things are created by him 
All things are created by him and all things exist by him. When Aleph is spelled out, the Gematria also tells us about God. Aleph is 1, Lamed is 30, Pei is 80, giving the total of 111. 1, 1, 1. This, my friend, demonstrates or shows God's absolute unity in the Trinity. The Aleph is formed from a Vav and two Yuds. Again, this will show us that it all points to God. The Aleph being formed from a Vav and two Yuds, the Vav is valued 6 and the Yud is 10. So two yuds mean it's 20. And one vav, 26. So 26, my friends, is a number for God's personal name, Yehovah. This shows us again, oh, Aleph is God. In every respect, any way you analyze Aleph, it points to God. This is the number that will always point you back to God. This is the letter that always points you back to God. And the characteristic of this letter, even down to its number, directs our attention to God. The letter Aleph, my friend, is God. And therefore teaches us about God. Wherefore you see the Aleph, it will have something to do with God. Any word that has an Aleph in it will have something to do with God. The Aleph teaches us, my friend, that God is the source of all things. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it reads, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be throne or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. This teaches us that God is the source of all things. It also teaches us that God is the sustainer of all things. All things consist by him. He sustains all things. The Aleph teaches us that God is in all things. One exists in every number. One is a factor of every number. There is no number that you can bring up that one is not a factor of that number. So God is in everything. All things consist by him. This is our God. This is what the Aleph teaches us, my friends. Let us today do as this letter teaches us. To see God as our master and be humbly reverent and worship him. To see God as the ultimate teacher and to learn from, from reading his word and studying his word and living in his word. And also to see him as the wonder. To also look in his word to find and see the things he has hidden there for you. There's a wonder. God is wondrous. To praise him for his wondrous works. To praise him for his wonderful gift of life to you. This is what the Aleph teaches us, my friend. Let's do that. Let's give him thanks. Let's praise him and honor him as the master of the universe and teacher, an ultimate teacher and the wonder of it all. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of Jehovah. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed. 
when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart, when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Father, we give you thanks to thee for your goodness, for your love, for your mercies, for your kindness that is extended to us always. For you, God, having given us life, having given us this redemption that we've had through your Son, we offer you thanks today because you, Father, have been a wonder in our lives. You have done wondrous things in our lives and we are glad, Father, we are thankful to you for what you have done. Today, Lord, we pray that through your Holy Spirit, you will make us, Lord, come to understanding as to God, your greatness and your wonder. That we will submit and surrender our lives to you, not in an effort to receive anything from your Father, but in full acknowledgement that you are the master of the universe and we cannot exist without you and we cannot consist without you, Father. Help us to understand and to grasp the fullness of the fact that we are here all because of you. Lord, help us to see the reality that we need you in every moment and every time and every day of our life. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day now, my friends. And do remember that God loves you and I do too. Shalom.